Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, they're making it easy. They are making it easy. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You know it's a good week of wrestling when I'm excited to do the show. Not that I'm ever not excited to do the show, but literally like on Monday night, on Tuesday, I was sitting there theorizing of of what was going on. First of all, it's always good when you leave Raw and or SmackDown, and this week it was both, thinking about, huh, where does this go? Because when something goes a way that you didn't expect it. Like, for instance, when Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, a lot of people are left kind of being like, oh, what the hell was that? This sucks. They can't do that. They buried him. This is... As opposed to somebody like me, and I think a lot of the people that listen to this show, which is, okay, I didn't see that coming. On paper, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But where could this go? And I start thinking about that. Like, okay, where is this going? Why was that done just then instead of over here? And I start coming up with all new scenarios to make the WWE world that we live in better. You know, like like right before the Royal Rumble, I had this crazy scenario all planned out that was centered around The Miz winning and Braun Strowman doing this and and Roman Reigns and, and Brock Lesnar and, and I, I'm sorry, Roman Reigns and, and, and Goldberg and... Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman, and obviously it takes one night for none of what I said to make sense. A lot of what I said doesn't make sense even before that one night, but you go to the Royal Rumble and you get done with it and none of it makes any sense anymore. So what do you do? You look at what the product is right now and you make sense of it. And that's one of the things I love doing here on the podcast because it cements a little bit of why we do what we do, why the podcast exists, why I'm such a fan. You know, not that I ever need to justify it, but Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is truly the podcast for wrestling fans by a wrestling fan. I'm a guy who's been watching WWE for over 30 years. I'm 33, so call it 30 years. And I watch it not because I have to, not out of force of habit, but because it's what I enjoy. I watch The Bachelor too. If I ever stop liking The Bachelor, I'm going to turn it off. If Fargo Season 3 isn't anywhere near as good as Season 1 or Season 2, I'm not going to watch the whole thing. There's plenty of shows that I've started watching and I've turned off halfway through because I'm not that interested. I'm certainly not doing podcasts about it. I'm turning it off. I'm over it. And I'm not over it. I'm not even close to over what's going on in WWE. And I don't see how anybody could, after a week that has been as eventful as this week has. The Elimination Chamber, an amazingly eventful Monday Night Raw, and then an an arguably equally eventful SmackDown Live. Uh, Plus, you got TNA's commentator going crazy on Twitter. You got a lot going on 
in the world of sports entertainment. So we'll break it all down here this week on the Wrestling Podcast, and I can't wait to do all that. Of course, I'm also going to talk about uh, my weekend in Phoenix on Sunday, how I was part of the pre-show or the kickoff show for Elimination Chamber with Carmella, Renee Young, and Booker T, which, you know, I don't need to tell you was a blast, but we'll talk about it uh, later on on the show. Uh, But first, let's get to the guest, huh? It's a cool guest this week. I was so excited to find out that he was going to be in my neck of the woods, and immediately when I found out, I I got into my phone and I said, who do I know that might know somebody who's controlling this guy's press? Because I found out a couple of days before he was coming to New York that Alberto Del Rio was going to be here. And I said, I really didn't even get a chance to interview him during either of his two WWE runs. I don't think I did. I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed Alberto Del Rio. And beyond any sort of controversy or weirdness that surrounds him, you know, now or over the last couple of months, I'm interested in his story. I, to me, Alberto Del Rio is a really interesting case study. Number one, he showed up in WWE having already established himself quite a bit in Mexico, but he had to reinvent himself. He had to reinvent his style. He was. This was before Sin Cara. This was before NXT. This was before any of this was happening. So just the fact that he got there. Number two, if you look at him, if you look at a photo of him, if you read his stats on paper, he's almost the prototypical WWE superstar. He's tall. He's big. He's a good-looking guy. He looks like a superstar. He looks like money. He's athletic. You know, he can do it all, and he was given every opportunity as well. He won the Royal Rumble. He won the world title. He won the WWE Championship. He won money in the bank, all in a very short period of time. And for some reason, there was something about Alberto Del Rio that either never clicked with the audience, never felt right for WWE, or something in him that he felt WWE was not his place because it just never quite, I don't think, clicked in the way it should have. Let's talk about his second run in WWE. May All that stuff I just listed, the Money in the Bank, the Royal Rumble, all that, the championships, that was all during his first run, which ended with a little bit of controversy. His second run started not only with a United States Championship win, but with a surprise clean victory over John Cena. I remember being in Los Angeles for that Hell in a Cell pay-per-view a year or two ago and Alberto Del Rio's music playing out of nowhere for the John Cena Open Challenge. Everybody being shocked and Alberto Del Rio coming, kicking John Cena in the head after a good match and beating John Cena clean in the ring. And that doesn't happen too often, especially with a title on the line, especially on a pay-per-view like that. And still, for some reason, he wasn't that, that the run just didn't last all that long. You know, of course, there's all the tabloid stuff with him and Paige. There's the fights that he's gotten into recently. There's the fact that they're, that at least Alberto's gone from WWE and Paige hasn't been seen in a while. But, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot to get into as well as everything he's doing now uh, with uh, his MMA organization. Uh, there in Mexico. So I wanted the opportunity to talk to him about all this. For those of you wondering, Paige was with him when he was doing press. Uh, I, I, 
I kind of assumed that she wasn't going to be a part of the interview. And at the same time, I've interviewed Paige before. And I feel like I would love to have Paige back on the podcast. But I've got a limited time window. I've Alberto Del Rio is specifically promoting something. And I don't necessarily need to do an interview for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast about the relationship of Paige and Alberto and all that sort of, you know, TMZ gobbledygook. Paige and Alberto, to me, are separate interviews because their wrestling career, aside from a couple of scenes on Total Divas, hasn't overlapped much. We talk a little bit about how they met and everything, but beyond that, it's more about Alberto and uh, and a little bit of his journey. So here it is for the first time on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I share with you uh, my interview, brand new, with the man himself, Alberto Del Rio. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Welcome to the studio. I think for the first time, That's Alberto right. Del Rio. It's uh it's been a long time coming, I think. Yes, thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me here. How are you? I'm fantastic, feeling fantastic. Well, I mean, the weather is terrible out there, but it I is. mean, it's New York. Yeah. Nothing you, we can do about it. Where do you spend your time most of the time? Are you in San Antonio? Are you in Mexico? Are you in London? Are you here? You well, I'm, like a... I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing wrestling shows and uh, and shows with Combate Americas everywhere, everywhere around the world. But uh, but when I'm not busy, when I'm not working, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah. Uh, and you have a restaurant there. You got a whole yes. home base set up. I have a restaurant, a bar and restaurant in San Antonio. We're doing fantastic. Only after three months, doing business in uh, in San Antonio, we're we're making really good money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Especially after spending so much uh, building the place and putting everything together, it was a. Uh, it was a big investment, but thank God it's working well. That's a scary thing. Is that where a lot of the the WWE nut went? Like a lot of the money that you made there went into this investment. <clears throat> uh, the the problem with most of the fighters wrestlers is they they only they, they all the money they earn fighting or wrestling they just put it in the bank and they don't do anything with it. Yeah. And uh, I've been investing my money since I started in the business. That's the reason I'm doing so well. Even after my divorce, <laughs> yeah, after <that's>... losing so <laughs> much money getting divorced, uh, I, I I'm still doing well. Thank God. Does that t- does that that's got to make the divorce tougher when you like when you have a relationship that starts just as the divorce starts going like that has to make the the court proceedings a, a nightmare yeah see it was it was a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> but uh but everything is going well right now um uh we're doing fantastic we're doing a lot of business here and there and uh i'm happy and then that's what it matters when you leave a, a company like wwe where at least you know whether you're happy whether you're unhappy at least there is some kind of steady money coming in and, oh, yeah. and good money. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm always going to be grateful with WWE because they gave me a name, they made me famous, they put me out there so I could show my talent to, to, to the world. Are you also glad they had you take off the mask in hindsight? Because now <coughs> you're right about becoming famous. Like, it's, it's probably a little more difficult to become famous when you wear a mask because eventually, like, you don't want to open a restaurant with a mask on. You don't yes. want to be the president of this organization with a mask on. Like, yeah, you, you want to be able to... Take no. your mask off and have people know who you are. Oh, no, definitely. When I started uh, in the pro wrestling business, I didn't want to take off the mask. It was a really important uh, thing for me back then, but 
now I'm really happy that I took that decision and I removed the mask. And uh, because of that, I'm doing other stuff, other business. Yeah. I, I just uh, sometimes I think about my uncle, Mil Mascaras. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that he's a perfect example of what you just said. Nobody knows my uncle without the mask. And uh, so he cannot do anything besides being Mil Mascaras. Was it, how difficult was it when you did take the mask off and you're starting to wrestle in front of crowds and it's like, is there like an insecurity about it? Is it just like the connection to it in your heritage? Like, Well, I was just worried about my dad not feeling happy with my decision, but I remember the day when they presented me the Alberto Del Rio project. Mm-hmm. I immediately called my dad, and, and my dad was like, no, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, and, and you have the talent. I know you're going to be one of the most successful wrestlers in history in uh, WWE. If that's what you need to do in order to get to that place, do it. You have all my support. So after my after my dad said that, there was no doubt that I was going to be the Rio and not wearing a mask anymore. And is that the trick to just dive in head first? You're like, okay, I understand what the Alberto Del Rio character is. Like, I get this. It's time to dive in head first. I'm going to the cars, the scarves, yeah. the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, of course, it was... Uh, uh, a little bit difficult at the beginning because the business in Mexico is totally different than than how the business is here in the States. But I got it really fast and I had a lot of people helping me when I started with WWE, Dean Malenko, uh, Edge, uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. They, 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 they all were there just to help me and, and it's because of them why I got to the place I, I got. What are the <clears> biggest differences like when you show up in, in WWE? <clears throat> well, just to start with, uh, in Mexico you wrestle on the right side. And here in the States, you wrestle on the left side. So it's, it's like driving. Like, yeah, it's like it's going, just, to, yeah. it's going to Europe yeah, and like trying to figure out how Europe, to drive. Exactly. Yeah. Or like riding with your right hand and your entire life. And from one day to the other, started started riding with your left it's hand. It's that dramatic. Yeah, it was really difficult. I was just like in the ring, like, oh, shit, here it comes. Uh, right, right, left, right, left, <laughs> right, left. I was getting all confused. But uh, uh, but after like a month or two, I was fine. So is that why you have to go to like an FCW in no. the beginning? You probably signed thinking like, what do I need? more training oh, for i'm no, the man already exactly no i was just like, and then i got there and uh when i got there i was uh 30 32 or 33 no 32 years old and i was the place was just filled with uh, with young people <coughs> in their 18s 19s and i was like oh my god this is ridiculous what am i doing here <laughs> and uh to be honest it was a nightmare to be there but but i'm glad i did it because because of my time in fcw um I learned uh, everything that you need to learn about the American the American style and especially how to use the microphone, how to cut a promo and all those, how to work in front of a camera. So even though I hated it, it helped me a lot. Right. Yeah. Right, because it is so different. And is that why a guy like, uh, like the first, or the original Sin Cara, for example, like they just like, they got the whole promotional machine <coughs> was behind him yes. and then all of a sudden it just, ah, it doesn't work, scratch it, gone, yes. whatever. Is that because of how he didn't, he didn't go there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember John Laurinaitis was in charge back then, and he was the one telling me, "You have to go. Just, just trust me. Go there for a couple months, and then you'll be fine. You will be able to go in the main roster and and kill it. Mm-hmm. Do, do a good job." And when they signed Sin Cara, because he was the first project for for Triple H, the first he was his baby. That's when they created NXT, right. and he was the first project uh, for NXT. The guy said, "I don't want to go to the school. I don't want to go to the uh, to the developmental school. So, so if you really want me, you have to put me in the main roster right away." And they did it, and it was a complete failure. That's so funny because that's a, and you had the same thing. That's like an ego move when you yeah. get there without realizing that like you're screwing yourself long term. 
Yes, yes, no, no, and, and and he did it, and he had the opportunity to do amazing things because they got him, they got him everything. He had his own referee. He had a guy that used to drive him around. Uh, he has, he had a translator and everything, and I mean, it didn't work. Plus, he had you to work with, right? Like, who understands the lucha style enough that like you might be able to save some stuff going on, which you didn't have, did you? Other than like a Rey Mysterio, you didn't have. A lot of guys who had done no, it was just Ray. It was just Ray Mysterio, yeah. and actually, I started it, and I think Ray got hurt after. I mean, I debuted against Ray Mysterio, and then right. he got hurt like two months after, and he didn't come back until like another year or two. <sighs> yeah, man. So that's when it's like okay, enough practice. Like yeah. now, it's this no, is no. it. From there, they they had me working uh, people like Edge, like Christian. Um, I mean, and many others, and and it's because of that why I. I, I became um, uh, a success in WWE because I was not working just with the Lucha Libre guys. Mm -hmm. I was working with everybody. Right, and then you start to just quickly develop, develop, develop. Yeah, no, develop. right after that, it was really easy for me to, to do pretty much everything in the company. Why do you think your stints in the company were as short as they were? I mean, I know they were. you spent some years there, yeah. but like you did a lot in a very little bit amount of time. You did. Yes. You won the Royal Rumble, you got the money in the bank, the WWE Championship, the World Championship, like you accomplish all this. It seems like they do everything they possibly can to put you in these at least momentary spots, yeah, but still like, you know, either it didn't click or... Well, it's because they needed new stars. Uh, they, when that happened, they didn't. All the all the, the 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 big stars were retiring or going into movies or soap operas or whatever. They were not working for the company, and they didn't. They needed new stars, and that's the reason they started pushing me, and uh, and they did it well. I mean, and in in such a short period of time, they I became a uh, one of the most relevant wrestlers sure. in, in in like in ten months. Yeah, and then 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 that other incident happened, and I had to to leave the company the first time and then when they brought me back i was just not happy it's like uh yeah i i i feel it like like when uh when i retired from mma when i stopped fighting mm -hmm. and then um and then um all these organizations tried to tried to make me fight again and i even went back to the gym and everything but i was just there training with with no strength, with no willing to do it, right? And, uh, until I decided, you know what, this is not for me. I don't, I don't want to do it. I'm not, I'm not hungry anymore. I think the same stuff happened with me going back to WWE the second time. I was there. I was just not happy. That's the reason I decided to quit. I said, you know, I'm, my my contract is gonna be up in two months, and I'm not coming back. See you guys. And they did everything in their power to keep me there, uh, but. You should have it I, in I you. Just, I, I didn't want to be Now, there. is that because of, of what had happened? Because it seemed like in the beginning, I was at that Hell in a Cell show <coughs> in L.A., I think in it LA, was. Yes, in yeah, LA. where like you were the surprise comeback, and yeah. you got a huge reaction, yeah. and you beat Cena clean, which like they don't yeah. really do for people. Yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. a huge... But it did seem like after that, it wasn't the I beat Cena clean launch. It's because uh, they, the storyline that... The, the company had for me was pretty stupid. Mm -hmm. That makes America storyline was so stupid because nobody understood what we were trying to do. I couldn't understand what we were trying to do. Uh, so, so the people, it didn't click with the people because, I mean, it was just really confusing. Yeah. And then instead of having some, I mean, nothing, nothing but respect for Dutch Mantel, but I mean, he, he, 
he's he's hurt he couldn't even walk so he wasn't really helping me out there and even though my 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 work in the ring was fantastic and I, i'm 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 in, in an amazing shape because when i came back to to the to wwe i was like okay this is uh, like a second opportunity i want to make the best of it and i went i went back in the gym and dieting really hard and i was in amazing i'm in amazing shape and uh, I did everything in my power to make it work, but the storyline was in there. Right. And then, uh, and then from there, um, I was I was starting I was started I started to feel like like I was not comfortable with the company. All my friends were gone. Ray, Edge, uh, Chavo, all my friends were there. So I was just there in the locker room, surrounded by by great kids, great great guys. But we're different generation. They were like, you know, comic books, and uh, I, uh, they're playing video games in their iPads or whatever. And and I'm just from a different generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember you Vince, like other activities. I remember Vince saying um, this to me: "Hey, why don't you try to to uh, to blend with the kids, with the guys?" I said, "Because we're so different. I read books. They play video games. They they read comic books, and I'm like, they're they're 19, 20 years old. I'm 38, 39 years old. So right. we have nothing in common. I have three little kids i'm a father uh, a ghost man whatever so i said we have nothing in common so how do you end up connecting with Paige? because Paige is like <coughs> you know she's one of the youngest people yeah. on that young roster and you end up finding uh yeah i guess I, this I think, woman who you're still in love with to this day i, I think it's because um and this is funny and i said it yesterday in one of the interviews i always promised myself that i was never going to date a female wrestler mm -hmm. or someone from the business and well the rest is history right um i think it's because um when when we met um I was coming out of my divorce and then, you know, living by myself and yes, yeah, seeing my kids like every, every, every single day in San Antonio, but living by myself for the first time after years and years. And then we met and we started riding together, uh, flying to places together. And, uh, and the pro wrestling business is an amazing business, but it's a lonely business Yes, because you spend most of the, t most of the time alone in a plane, in a car, in hotel rooms. Uh, surrounded by four walls in a bathroom and it's a really lonely business and um, with us connecting that way and going to places together having somebody with me to have breakfast with me lunch with me and and, and then we saw all the things that we have in common mm -hmm. like um She's a third, third generation wrestler. I'm a third generation wrestler. She's a fantastic person. She was taking care of me uh, while I was on the road, even though they were not using her much. Um, for the first time, I had somebody taking care of me when I was getting hurt, when I was feeling like like depressed or sad. I had somebody to talk to and after she got the it. shows, and she got it. Yeah, yeah, because she's yeah. lived it. Is there any sort of so like when you quit and Paige is on suspension? Is there any like moment where you're like okay like we lived the life of this couple who are traveling together who got each other but now we're leaving the business and we actually just have to go into a house and just spend time together was there yeah. any sort of like oh no i don't know if this is gonna like work <coughs> yeah. without the wrestling part without the traveling part without all this stuff uh not not really because we are pretty good or i'm pretty good with separating the pro wrestling business with my personal life mm -hmm. like uh to the point where we don't talk about the business not because we love the business both of us obviously but uh but we don't talk about the business because uh, we don't like to live in the like like Brett the Hitman. One of my idols, Brett the Hitman Hart, said one time, "The cartoon world of pro wrestling. Yeah. If you don't separate that, you won't be able to be completely happy." You see all these couples or all these guys, the wrestlers, and they don't talk up. They they they're 
They don't know anything about anything because all they talk about is pro wrestling. Yeah. They don't know what's going on in the world. They, uh, some of them don't even know who the new president is <laughs> because they, they just talk about uh, pro wrestling. I, I, there's one guy that, that oh, I mean, it, it, it was just, he was driving me crazy. I'm not going to say his name because I like the guy. But, <laughs> but he was even watching the WWE Network in the locker room. Like before going out for a match, he was like, he he was watching wrestling matches, and I was like, "Can you give me an F break?" Because I mean, brother, we're doing we're doing five six pro wrestling shows per week, and you're still watching wrestling right. in, your, in your downtime. And he was like, "Oh, I'm just trying to learn some more stuff." And I'm like, okay, whatever. But us us in the house, we don't watch wrestling. We don't talk about wrestling. Well, that's also I think uh, uh, how it used to be that uh, uh, that you would have this life outside of wrestling and you would apply it to what you were doing in the ring. And so you would become a fuller character, right? And yes. if it's like all you do is like wrestling from the past, don't you run a risk of just kind of imitating the people? Exactly. It's like being in a band and just listening to Metallica all the time, all the time, all yeah. the time, and then being surprised when your band just sounds like a cheap version of Metallica. Exactly. You need to find your own identity. Be different. That's that's what makes... Being different is what's, what's going to make you successful. And I think... I think I've been doing that my entire life. I proved everybody. That's the reason they ended up calling me and giving me everything to get me back. Because uh, I left the company. I'm not going to lie. The first two, three days, I was really worried about uh, about being fired. But after the second, third day, I had people calling me from everywhere. Yeah. And I did amazingly. I was... I was um, I was making the same amount of money that I was doing in WWE, but working once or twice a week. So I was like, "Oh my God, this is fantastic! Why, why, why I was there for so many, <laughs> so, for so many years?" And that probably makes leaving WWE the second time a little easier because yeah. you know there is stuff. Yes, yes, uh, no, that's ex that's exactly what I said to one of the important people in that company. I said, "Hey, you know, you guys showed me the way. Yeah. When you guys fired me for that for that stupid stuff." Uh, you guys showed me the way, and uh, I was a little bit scared at the beginning, but but all the fear was gone after the third day, and now I have I have no fear. Uh, yeah. I want to leave the company, and I know I'm gonna do well like I did before, and um, and that's exactly what I'm doing. And did that give you a chip on your shoulder too, getting fired? Because you know you just said you thought it was a silly reason, and you didn't you, you don't think you deserve to get fired? From no, that it was completely stupid. I mean, yeah. it was a, it was a, 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 a person doing a racist joke and mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't I will never understand how in the hell it was me the one ending and then uh, losing my job uh, I don't I don't want to really get into that it was pretty stupid but at the end of the day it was me the one um, uh, uh, winning with all the situation because they ended up calling me back and they they call me like you have no idea how many times they call me they actually called me three months after they fired me to bring me back to wrestlemania in california wow. and i said no way wow and then they called me they keep they kept calling me and the same the same important person from the company called me like seven months after to bring me back and i said he i, I threw a number out there and he was like alberto this is ridiculous and i said well, don't forget that it's you calling me, not the other way. Around. So if you want to take it, if not, just leave me alone. But but anyway. Well, you gotta, you gotta, I gotta get you out of here. But uh, we haven't talked enough about Combate Americas, which <coughs> is worldwide. It's it's MMA fighting. Yes. You're gonna be able to see it Thursday, February 16th at 10 p.m. Eastern. It's gonna be on Azteca America in the U.S. In the U.S., yes, live on uh, on live. Thursdays. Yes. It's gonna be live on ESPN Latin America. Yes. 
And then in Mexico, it's on TV Azteca. On Fridays, yes. On Fridays. And, and we, are, we're, we you can also watch Combate Americas on UFC Fight Pass. Yes. We go, everybody can watch Combate Americas. I always say this. Because a lot of people, they don't understand or they don't know what we're doing in Combate Americas. And they think that just because the name is in Spanish, it's only for Latinos. But, but it's not like that. I mean, yes, our main flavor is uh, Latino. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have fighters from all over the world because uh, if you have the talent, you're more than welcome to come and show us what you have and what you can do in the MMA world in combates, as long as you fight like a Mexican. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the way it has to go. Well, thanks for... Uh Thanks for rolling through. Oh, and real quick, based on how the stories are all written, do you wish that, that if you were going to get into a physical altercation with a wrestler, it wasn't a guy who dressed up as a ninja turtle? Because that, <laughs> well, that really gave the story I, I, a little probably, more legs than I well, think. That, that was so funny. I remember my, all my friends were giving me crap about it, and they were like, was it really a ninja turtle? And I said... I think I don't know. He was at the time he wasn't yeah, an Ninja at Turtle. the time I was all that I saw was a guy grabbing my my fiance's butt, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to kill him. And, uh, and like I always said, if you, I'm I'm a, I'm a person that always respects everybody, and because I do and conduct my life that way, I demand the same from the others. Right. And if you have the cojones, like we say in Mexico, to disrespect my girlfriend or my fiance in front of me, you gotta be willing to pay the price. <laughs> well, there it is. Thank, thank you for you, stopping by, man. Oh, thank you, my friend. That was great. Thank here is Sam Roberts. Fun chat with Alberto Del Rio. A lot of interesting tidbits to talk about. But before we do, you know the world that we live in is an on-demand world. If if you listen to that interview right now and there were things that we – Alberto Del Rio matches that we brought up, you know all you're going to do is turn on WWE Network and go right to those matches. Why? Because we live in a world that's on-demand. Even if you can't find stuff on WWE Network, you're going to go to YouTube. You're going to, that, that's how content is served. This podcast, some of you decide that you need it as soon as it comes out on Thursday morning. Others get it throughout the week. Some of you guys are going to be listening to this two weeks after it comes out, some two months after it comes out because it's on demand. And there's no reason why everything shouldn't be that way, especially doing something like going to the post office. You know, we, we, we've, we've all had that experience where waiting on lines, whatever it is, there's no reason why stuff like this shouldn't be done on your time. I think about, you know, I went to stamps.com and I checked out what they have to offer. And all I could think about was when I was a wrestling tape trader growing up, how easy these, this would have made my life. This has already changed everything. You think when t-shirts are going out for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, from pro wrestling tees that it's going, people are walking to the post office and dropping things off. No, no. Stamps.com solves everything. I absolutely would have used it when I was a tape trader growing up just because of, of how easy it makes everything. It, there's no reason in 2017 that any of you that have shipping needs should be worried about it at all. This is not a part of doing business anymore. Thanks to Stamps.com. Uh, with Stamps.com, anything that you can do at the post office, you can now do right from your desk. You buy and you print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes, so you can get postage whenever you need it, 24-7. I can't tell you how many times because I, I work weird hours, and I'm up all night. 
and I sit there like, oh, I got to remember to send this out. And I just put it in front of the door. Hopefully I remember. Hopefully I get to the post office. No. You can get it all done at 2 o'clock in the morning if you want to with stamps.com. They give you a scale. They give you everything. I got I to gotta insist that you guys check this out. Anyone out there with shipping needs who worries about shipping at all needs to stop worrying about it and needs to go to stamps.com right now and use my name, Sam, for the special offer. Wait till you hear about this. You're going to get a four-week trial, and that includes postage and a digital scale. But don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else on that website, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Sam, S-A-M. Stamps.com, microphone, click it, type in Sam, and then you start figuring out what the site has to offer you. That's stamps.com, enter code SAM, stamps.com, never go to the post office again. So I thought that Alberto Del Rio, some of his biggest wisdom in that interview was talking about developmental and how somebody like him, especially in those days, like now I think, and it's true, you look at Bobby Roode, you look at any of these people, uh, Samoa Joe, none of them mind going to NXT. Even before, like now, people are going straight to NXT. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, these are guys who had giant international careers before coming to WWE, and they still did their time at the Performance Center, and guess what? Those are the people who you're talking about as main eventers in 2017. Because they put in the work, and because they were able to adapt to what's going to work in WWE. And that's not just like working, to me, Working WWE's style is not just because, well, that's what Vince wants, and if Vince wants it and he doesn't see it, then you, you know, you're know you going to get fired. No, it's about the reason the original Sin Cara didn't work out was because he couldn't have matches with people because people didn't know what he was doing because everybody is trained to work in a certain way, and this guy is still working a lucha style. You know, he hasn't adapted to the style that everybody else is working. Because if you're working a different style, how do you expect anybody, you know, sports entertainment, pro wrestling, it's like an improv show. You know, you have to know what your opponent is doing and, and, and you're reacting off of each other and, and you can't do that if you're not working the same style. So I thought that the, the fact that Alberto realized quickly that putting his ego aside and just going through the developmental process actually was a good thing and that did provide him some success was uh, was was really interesting. Uh, it seems like he's in a good place. You know, he seemed very happy with, with Paige. He seemed very happy uh, with the product that he was promoting. And maybe at this moment in time, he's not the greatest fit in WWE. And WWE, for the, for the record, is a different landscape than it was. I still think that there's room for Alberto Del Rio if he's got the hunger. I like that about Alberto, that instead of blaming it on somebody else, you know, instead of being like, well, they want you to do this, and that's just not me, and they want you to blah, 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 and I can't work like this, and they think that, because, you know, you, you see these guys, they leave WWE, and they act like WWE is the enemy, as opposed to the place that got them more exposure in this game than any place else ever could, you know, that made them a household name, and Alberto acknowledges the fame that the WWE brought him, and actually, to me, was taking 
a degree of personal responsibility in the sense that he said he wasn't he didn't have the hunger in him anymore. You know, he wasn't he wasn't fiending for the success in WWE. And like Hawkins said last week, we talked to Kurt Hawkins, who's, you know, not a main event player at the moment. And I when I talked to Kurt Hawkins last week, I expected him to say that he's gotten to a place in his life, even though he's only in his early 30s, that he's gotten to a place in his life where he's kind of satisfied being the guy that he is. He's kind of satisfied finding his spots, you know, being the kind of, uh, I don't, you know, he's not a job guy, but being the somebody who is there to make other people look good, but he's got some personality himself, you know what I mean? That he's satisfied on the kickoff show. As long as he's got a cool match on the kickoff show, he doesn't need the main event. And that's not what he said. And that's not who Hawkins is. Still, Kurt Hawkins says, no, my goal, if I'm on the kickoff show, is to go and do a great match on the kickoff show. But anybody that tells you that their goal is not to be the champion of the world and to main event WrestleMania doesn't have a place in WWE. And that's the crossroads, it sounds like, that Alberto Del Rio got to. That he didn't have that hunger to win. And so he tapped out. He said, this isn't for me. I don't, it's not worth it. And honestly, good for him. If, if, if a business like that, if it's not about passion, then I don't know what you're doing. But uh, thanks to Alberto Del Rio for being part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And I want to definitely talk to him again. I did not have enough time with him. And we could definitely go in depth about a lot of not only what he's doing now, but what he's done in the past and talk more about Mexico and a ton more about what he was doing in WWE because we barely scratched the surface. But as with a lot of people, time was limited. Uh, Big thanks to the WWE, to the whole uh, announcing staff, uh, to Renee Young, Booker T, even Carmella for uh, allowing me to be a part of the Elimination Chamber kickoff show. I mean, guys, when I tell you that I, when it's the second kickoff show that I've done and it might have even been, I don't know if it was more special than the first one or not. It was as special at minimum as the first one was. It was like taking another trip. Like you ever see that movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? You ever look at at Wonka's factory and think to yourself, you know, I'd like to go there once. Do you look at Wonka's factory and think to yourself, I'll bet the second trip to Wonka's factory, it gets boring. No, no, nobody thinks that. You think to yourself, not only do I want to go there once, I'd like to live there. Nobody feels bad for Charlie Bucket at the end of that movie going, oh, now he's got to spend every day at Wonka's factory. That doesn't sound fun at all. It sounds like amazing. He can drink fizzy lifting drink until he's floating into space if he wants to. It's his factory. That's what it feels like doing those pre-shows for me as as a WWE fan, as a guy who gets to be the voice of the fan. It feels like I'm taking a trip to Wonka's factory every time. And they got me hooked on the sugar. Hopefully they'll invite me back for another trip to the factory soon because uh, it was so much fun. And maybe we'll talk about it more in the state of wrestling. But that interaction with Carmella... I know a lot of you picked up on that. I didn't see it coming. I didn't expect it. I think Carmella was flirting with me a little bit, and I think uh, James Ellsworth may have reason to worry. All I'm saying is, if people started hashtagging hashtag Ellsworth versus Roberts and campaigning for that to happen at WrestleMania, it wouldn't be a shock to me at this point. You know, That's all I'm saying. It wouldn't be a shock to me. Speaking of WrestleMania, I know a lot of you are trying to get tickets. 
and it can be very, very difficult. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts uh, has been a confusing process for a long, long time. It's always been fine, hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. Let me tell you about SeatGeek. They've come along, they've come along, and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place that I would go to to look for tickets to a game or concert. Uh, I got the app on my phone. It's very, very easy to use. Just the other day, you just look up. If you just want to see what the market is like, you can go on and be like, hey, what's, what's uh, you know, if you wanted to go to TakeOver uh, uh, San Antonio in January, you could just look up the market because what SeatGeek does is uh, they do all the price comparisons for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. So if you just want to be in the building, you know, Metallica's going back on tour. If you just want to be in the building for Metallica, SeatGeek can help you find the best price ticket that you're going to be able to buy. Or you want to be in the front row, you don't care how much it costs, SeatGeek can help you with that too. Best of all, Oh, I'm giving out discounts today. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. I can't I can't recommend this enough. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, here's what you got to do. Download the SeatGeek app. Go into your app store, wherever you do, to get apps for your phone. And just look up SeatGeek. Once you've got the SeatGeek app, SeatGeek app, easy for you to say, opened, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SAM, S-A-M, and SeatGeek is going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today. Go to SeatGeek, get the app, enter promo code SAM, and they will take you where you want to be. And I know where you want to go right now, and that's to State of Wrestlingville, the one-stop shop for State of Wrestling, and I'm going to give it to you for free right now it's now time for this week's state of wrestling what an eventful week in the world of pro wrestling and welcome to the state of wrestling uh we'll start with sunday in the elimination chamber a lot to talk about i got to be in the building and i tell you arizona phoenix was on fire for most of the pay-per-view if i'm being honest yes things quieted down a little bit during the dolph ziggler handicap match but I was sitting out there at the pre-show desk during the uh, uh, kickoff show match between uh, 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 um, <laughs> Hawkins and uh, uh, Mojo Rawley. And the crowd was on fire for that match. I couldn't, not that they shouldn't be, but I couldn't believe it. Like, for a match that was just announced two days before the show, everybody was so psyched to be there. I thought the Elimination Chamber match was great. It was reminiscent of that Survivor Series main event. Like, the multi, they've been getting, WWE's been getting really good. SmackDown specifically, I suppose, but Survivor Series was SmackDown versus Raw. They've just become really good at those big multi-person matches that can go an hour and be compelling 
the whole way through. And I think that's because of the amount of talent that's on the roster. I still think that both rosters could use a little bit of work in terms of storytelling with the talent. But the talent is there. So when you get down to the match, the main event match, the talent is what's going to deliver and give you something that you go, whoa. It's leading to that that, that I think still needs a, a little bit of work. But they've come a long way, and they're doing better. Uh, uh, I, I can't tell you how psyched I was to have been in the building. And, and I part of me, part of me thought that, okay, they realized after I was there, wait, we just invited Sam Roberts to the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view to do the kickoff show panel. He's in the building. He's backstage watching the show. This is the same Sam Roberts that in the past, leading up to pay-per-views, has threatened multiple times to drive to the arena and burn down the building if Bray Wyatt doesn't win his matches. I think we know who we're putting the championship on. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but I'm saying it is coincidence that I was at the uh, uh, Talking Stick Arena with a can of gas and a handful of matches, and Bray Wyatt won. I had to put him down. It was, I certainly wasn't going to bring him on the plane. That's very suspicious. But seeing Bray Wyatt win that thing, man, man, was that satisfying. Especially since he pinned Shawn Michaels, and, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, since he pinned John Cena and AJ Styles. He pinned both of them. Man, was that satisfying. Finally, finally. You talk about SmackDown has been good to The Miz, to AJ Styles, and to Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt spent years in the WWE really just with a whole bunch of stop and starts. You know, it looked like he was going to be treated like he was a, a, a giant commodity and then just a squash, 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 squash. Nothing. No momentum going in with this guy. I thought one of the more inventive characters in a long time and no momentum whatsoever. But what happens? The brand split happens. And after years of waiting for this, Bray Wyatt has now held two titles. The Tag Team Championship that Bray Wyatt won with Randy Orton that became property of, you know, the whole Wyatt family was the first title that Bray Wyatt had won in WWE a few months ago. As long as he's been there. A few months ago. So to go from that to now being the champion of the world and, oh, you know, you, you understand where it's going, right? You understand, especially after Bray wins the Elimination Chamber, that the story here is that Randy Orton is a member of the Wyatt family. Luke Harper, we don't know where he's at. And Bray Wyatt is now the champion. You've got the captain of the Wyatt family, the papa, Bray Wyatt, as the champion. And Randy Orton, a member of the Wyatt family, is the guy who won the Royal Rumble. So you understand that that's where you're kind of shifted towards for WrestleMania. But still, this week on SmackDown... You're watching that triple threat match like stranger things have happened. I could easily see this being a one-day reign for Bray Wyatt, but Bray winning that triple threat, especially after he got jump, jumped by Luke Harper. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. As much as I want to see a Bray Wyatt-Luke Harper match at WrestleMania, tell me he's going to lose the title after one day so they can do a Luke Harper thing and do something else with these other guys. He came through, though. He came through. I was nervous, 
and he came through, and I was, I mean, I was so happy about it, to watch him raise that title with the Bray Wyatt side plates on, and I know I wasn't the only one, I was convinced, and I think it's just because anyone who's a Bray Wyatt fan has this, like, perception of two steps forward and one step back with Bray, I was convinced, and I, I, it's not like me to be pessimistic, but when he showed up, I really thought that it was either going to be the John Cena plate still on or the, you know, just WWE logo plate still on. The fact that there were Bray Wyatt plates on the side of that WWE championship just made my night on Tuesday. So I, I love where this is going. And then, like, both shows this week, Raw and SmackDown, left giving us something to talk about. And, and both very tense. Randy Orton, when he came out at the end of SmackDown this week, proved why he is so good. Every movement that that guy makes counts towards something. So Bray Wyatt has the championship, and Randy Orton comes out, and we're all thinking this is the moment. Because ever since Randy Orton joined the Wyatt family, we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Randy Orton joined the Wyatt family in an if you can't beat him, join him scenario. You know, he couldn't defeat Bray, so he goes, well, then I'm just going to join Bray. Now that he's got the number one contendership and Bray's got the title, I think most people were expecting Randy to come out and finally go back to being Randy Orton, stand on his own, and say, hey, Bray, I've learned all your tricks. You let me into your family, and now I know how to take you down, and I'm going to do that in Orlando at WrestleMania. But instead of that, and that's pretty predictable, and instead of going predictable, they had Randy Orton stay in the family. Not only did he stay in the family, but he didn't RKO Bray. To me, go back. I think SmackDown's on Hulu. It'll be on WWE Network in a few weeks. If you don't have Hulu, watch it when it comes out on WWE Network. Find it on YouTube. Do whatever you have to do. But go back and watch SmackDown. And watch that moment when Randy Orton is kneeling down in front of Bray. Randy Orton is so aware that we're all waiting for him to drop an RKO out of nowhere. He kneels down so slowly and has this look in his eyes like he's looking up, and his body language is in such a way that before he hits both knees on the canvas, he's doing this body language where you can tell that he can spring himself up. It looks like he's getting ready to kneel down and then possibly jump up so he can hit the RKO, which is vintage Randy Orton, mamma mia. Now it's a combination of two people. But he didn't do it. So not only do you have this thing where Randy Orton is pledging his allegiance, but you're sitting there going like, I don't know if he really did. I don't know if I can trust the Viper. And you're watching him as he kneels down. And is he going to jump up? And then he doesn't. And he doesn't. And SmackDown ends with finally, finally, Bray Wyatt's character being effective. Bray Wyatt is a guy who is supposed to have control over the minds of people. Like any great cult leader, he convinces people to do things that they normally would not do. Now the Bray Wyatt character is working. The reason it didn't work right before was because his tricks didn't work on anybody. Anybody. It worked on Daniel Bryan for two weeks. 
It didn't work on anyone. Nobody was joining. He didn't have any power over anybody. He had perceived power. He didn't have any real power over anybody. He brought out 700 kids in, in lamb masks. John Cena could still beat him. None of the tricks worked. This one worked. You go, Bray Wyatt has some kind of power over Randy Orton. Bray Wyatt has shown Randy Orton the light. And, and this excites me. You know, I could easily see this turning into some kind of triple threat. There's going to be a, a battle royal on SmackDown next week. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Luke Harper wins that battle royal and you've got some and then once Luke Harper is in the match, then Randy Orton's going to join the match and you've got Luke Harper versus Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton in, in a triple threat at WrestleMania. I don't think that Randy Orton's Royal Rumble win is going to be for naught. I think that that he's still going to get that title shot at the big show. Um but uh, the way that story is being told to me is brilliant because it's keeping people interested. We've got a month and a half before WrestleMania. WrestleMania is not till April 2nd. You know, it's the middle of February. I don't need Randy Orton coming out on SmackDown and being like, I'll see you in the Citrus Bowl. Okay, so what are you going to tell us for the next month and a half that that's what's going to happen? No. Now we've got a long-form story to play out, and it really is... It was magnificently done at the end of SmackDown this week, um, and it got me excited. And I'm interested in seeing what happens in this battle royal. I almost wish they would do the battle royal ro- battle royal using Royal Rumble rules, but that's that's nitpicky and and it's not necessary. It just could be cool, you know. Bray Wyatt though has now this version of Bray Wyatt pinned John Cena twice in a row. He pinned John Cena in the triple threat match as well as in the elimination chamber. So. You know, I don't know what more a Bray Wyatt fan could ask to be done. And I didn't see any, I don't think I saw any naysayers after that end of SmackDown on Tuesday night. Uh, There were some questions about the Elimination Chamber. Some people were tweeting me asking about uh, the padded chamber floors. First of all, in person, the new Elimination Chamber looks amazing. It is so tall. You know, and that's obvious to anybody that's watching because guys can now stand up on top of the chambers. The chambers are not shorter, but guys can stand up on top of the chambers and jump freely. They're not crouching like in the old chamber. So it's slightly more narrow, but it's way, way taller. Uh, it looks super cool, the lights, the, the uh, plastic paneling, but I, I, I'm not mad at the padded floors. I get that you you want it to look like it hurts, but at what cost? If it if it's injuring people, you know, if it's dangerous, then I don't think you want it to look like it hurts because it's actually really hurting people. That's not the point of why we watch this stuff. And I also think that they made up for it. The fact that the floors were padded meant they were taking more risks. I mean, how many leaps off the top of those uh, chambers did they do? It's inevitable. You know, as, as, as WWE gets smarter about the effect, the long-term effect that some of these injuries have and technology gets better so that WWE can equip things to not injure people, then I don't see why we should want anything besides less injuries. You know, if they can do things safer that doesn't truly take away from the match, then I think that we should kind of support that. I do. And and I don't think it took away from the match. I think that that to me is very nitpicky. 
if you thought that that took away from the match because I thought the pay-per-view was awesome. I thought it was a really, really fun show. Uh, the Naomi title win, I think, surprised people. Uh, the chamber match was really, really good. Um, the fact that there were three women's matches and all three had different stories. The It, it was interesting. You know, and this is just symptomatic, I think, of only having two weeks to build a pay-per-view. It It's weird because this goes back to the conversation I had with Linendahl a couple weeks ago that the Natty versus Nikki match, while it was a good match, that the function that that match served was more of a match for an episode of SmackDown, whereas the match that's happening on SmackDown next week is more of the pay-per-view blow-off match. But I think it's just the timing didn't work out. You didn't. You only had two weeks before Elimination Chamber because the reason that there's a, a Falls Count Anywhere match happening on SmackDown is because of a double countout at a pay-per-view. Traditionally, you would think there would be a double countout on a SmackDown and then the pinfalls anywhere would be at the pay-per-view. But again, I think that that's part of the fact that there was only two weeks to build a pay-per-view and they didn't have time to do that part. Uh, and, you know, let's be honest about it. Raw's got three weeks until Fastlane. That's a nice placement for a pay-per-view that you can build that pay-per-view and build WrestleMania and, and do it all kind of in an okay way. SmackDown now has six weeks or whatever it is to build up to WrestleMania. So they're going to have to do some pay-per-view style, quality, whatever, storytelling on episodes of SmackDown, which they've done before. Let's not forget the wild card finals, which didn't have, you know, semifinals or anything like that. But the wild card finals, they've had shows that are pay-per-view level before, so that shouldn't really surprise anybody. Um, uh, other notes about SmackDown, you know, again, I feel like the fact that, that, that Carmella told James Ellsworth that she wanted to keep it professional with him harkens back to that pre-show. All I'm saying is, if I'm James Ellsworth and I see my girlfriend Carmella flirting with some dude on the on the chamber panel and she wants to keep things professional with me, I've got questions about, you know, where her intentions lie. I've got questions about that wandering eye of hers. Because I looked at some screen grabs from that kickoff show. Carmella's eyes were wandering. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay? And I'm going to let James Ellsworth take care of whatever James Ellsworth has to take care of. Because I'm not trying to get in the middle of anything. But it is what it is, Big Jimmy. You know what I mean? I can't I can't help that. I'm going to act on it, but I can't help it. Okay? Um, the Ascension. You know, the tag team division on SmackDown is the one thing that's probably a little broken. Um, it's great to see the, the Ascension be taken a little bit more seriously, but there's still, and I'm not recommending that the American Alpha lose their tag team championships to the Ascension, but the American Alpha have effectively defeated the entire SmackDown tag team roster. I'm interested in a thing with the Usos because obviously the Usos are the second most premier tag team on the SmackDown roster, but you know, they've, there is not a lot of competition for the American Alpha on SmackDown. And that's a problem because the American Alpha is a big money tag team. Like, the American Alpha is harkens back to the days of tag team specialists. Everybody loves them. Everybody's been excited about them coming to the main roster. 
And if they're going to end up in a spot where there's not a lot of competition, it spells trouble. You know, it, it, it's hard to get excited about a tag team division where there's just not much depth, where we've spent a long time making it so the villains are not a real threat. We spent a long time hearing that the Ascension are not a real threat. Um, the Usos have been around for a while. Heath Slater and Rhino, you know, at one point they were a joke. At one point they were breaking up. They, they don't have the, the, the gutso or whatever it is that they used to have. So uh, there's still good tag teams in WWE. I won't even talk about, you know, it goes without saying that the revival is desperately needed on SmackDown right now. If I'm if I'm running that place, the revival is coming up for WrestleMania because they just they I I think they need it. I think that they they need that depth and I think they need that match, the revival versus the American Alpha because that's what's going to make the tag team division on SmackDown stand out. But it goes back to what I said when the draft first happened. If all the women were on one show and all the tag teams were on another show, you would have deep brands and you'd have specialties on each show. And maybe it would make house shows weird. I don't know how the business works. But, you know, you'd have your 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 New Day and your Enzo and Cass and Gallows and Anderson. Like, that's a pretty, pretty nice tag team division on Raw. And if you combined it with the one on SmackDown, you'd have some real depth and competition. Um, so that's my only real criticism, but uh, other than that, SmackDown was a great show, and Raw, you know, Raw is a long show, it's definitely a long show, but multiple segments this week were downright newsworthy, and really well done, um, it's been really interesting to watch the rebuilding, and we talk about the Ascension kind of being rebuilt, and I still think that they need some building, but it's been great to see the rebuilding of Sami Zayn. You know, really, really interesting because I think WWE realized that uh, there's not that many good guys, you know, on the on the on the roster of Raw. So they can't really afford to have Sami Zayn be anything but credible. Um, so you know, watching him have some matches with Kevin Owens, watching him almost beat Chris Jericho, watching him win. And then having him be the guy that calls out Samoa Joe. I'll tell you, the Samoa Joe segment did two things for me. I'm not even talking about the interview. Because the interview was really an awesome way to introduce Samoa Joe to an audience that maybe doesn't watch NXT. And I thought Samoa Joe uh, performed amazingly in that interview. And Cole was perfect. And they set up things with Triple H. And a little bit of... uh, It was a little more complicated than meets the eye. It wasn't the traditional, here's my corporate bodyguard, Samoa Joe. It It was different. Which is good. Difference always, always good. But so Joe running out and jumping Sami Zayn worked in like a bunch of ways. To me, I felt like a takeaway, and I don't know anything, but I, which you know is probably no news to you guys. But I felt like a takeaway from the uh, whole Samoa Joe Sami Zayn thing. And again, this is probably just leading to a match at Fastlane, which is an introduction to Samoa Joe, right? Like that'll be Samoa Joe's first big pay per view match is a match with Sami Zayn at Fastlane, I would imagine. But the fact that that's the direction being gone in, that Samoa Joe is going to be concentrating on Sami Zayn for the time being, which is totally separate from the Seth Rollins-Triple H story. You know, when he was wrestling Roman Reigns last week, that's connected to the Seth Rollins-Triple H story. But 
Sami Zayn is not connected to that story as far as I'm concerned. So I do think that the reason that that was the direction that was gone in was because there may be some faith that Seth Rollins will be back for WrestleMania and Samoa Joe may not have to fit in to plans the way they thought he might last week. You know, maybe they're still not 100% sure, but I think that if they didn't have faith that Seth Rollins would be at WrestleMania, I don't think that they would start a thing between Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn and reference Seth Rollins last week. So I think that that's going to turn out to be good news. Uh, I mean, it's very good news for Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe. Who would have thought on the road to WrestleMania in 2017, anybody who's a fan of, like, indie wrestling, who would have thought that Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn would be the two guys butting heads on Monday Night Raw on the road to WrestleMania? It's it's amazing, super fun, and uh, it's outstanding. It's really it's really something to marvel at. I to me, what WWE has done in terms of creating uh, it really is. A place that is becoming the all-stars for professional wrestling as far as I'm concerned. WWE. And that's, you know, encompassing everything from the UK tournament to NXT. And there are, of course, there's always going to be your Zack Sabre Juniors, your Kenny Omegas, your Will Ospreys, your Adam Coles. There's always going to be your Young Bucks. There's always going to be guys that need to be a part of that all-star team. But still, WWE is, is putting that together with what they're doing. And uh, I remain so optimistic and and thrilled by the whole thing i enjoy you know the matches aren't the most amazing things i've ever seen but i really enjoy uh braun Strowman wrestling giants as he heads towards uh fast lane i have to believe because obviously he's going to beat the big show next week right and he beat mark henry this week there's got to be something because there is no way because this Braun Strowman build has been just about as perfect a build of a big guy as you can possibly get. I mean, if this were 1990, Braun Strowman would be headlining WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. That's how good this has been. If this were 90, Braun Strowman would be the greatest rival Hulk Hogan has ever seen. How will he ever stop the monster among men? You know, he is he's that caliber. So I can't imagine that he'll lose straight up to Roman Reigns at Fastlane because that would take all the wind out of his sails going into WrestleMania. So uh, that to me, and obviously Roman Reigns, I to me it's obvious. I, I really think Roman Reigns is getting the Undertaker match this year at WrestleMania. So one would assume that maybe there'll be some kind of chicanery. Maybe the Undertaker will cost him the victory the way Roman Reigns eliminated the Undertaker at Royal Rumble. I don't know. But something has got to give there. Because uh, Braun Strowman can't just lose at this point at Fastlane. It wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, but but I do, in the meantime, really love the fact that all the attractions, it goes back, it like harkens back to the old territory days. These guys, and this is, by the way, stuff that we were talking about a year ago, maybe, when we were saying the big show and Mark Henry and guys like that can be used effectively, if minimally, just sprinkled in here and there. And I think that that's what they're doing now. And it's kind of perfect. It, it, it's the Big Show and Mark Henry. As long as they can wrestle a match, will always have value in the sense that, like, we want to prove how impressive this guy is. So, can he beat the Big Show? 
and it's always going to look cool for somebody to be able to beat the Big Show. It's always going to be, you know, it's not going to be the main event of WrestleMania, but it's going to be something that can get us there and something that adds so much credibility. So that's, it's, it's again, it's a lot of value in some of these guys in WWE. Uh, I saw a lot of you were upset uh, about Emelina's <laughs> debut. I don't know how you could be at this point. I, and maybe I, I feel like the Brodus Clay debut left me realizing that sometimes WWE just does stuff. Like, everybody thinks that there's this grand plan coming. Like, I almost got a kick out of the fact Emelina is coming vignettes being shown on Raw. Just felt like it was a thing where, oh, you just see an Emelina's coming vignette. Like, it doesn't actually lead to anything. You know, I don't, and I don't know realistically how many of you had real expectations, but, and and maybe that's why I just resigned myself to this idea that Emelina, the entire thing was just coming soon promos. There is no Emelina. There is no character. There is no essence. There's no real thing being promoted here. It's just a weird, goofy, coming soon, this that never actually comes. And, And I don't know what true value that has necessarily in the classic sense of value but it's to me it's it's entertaining so you know i i almost feel like people were were looking for more like huh i wonder what the plan is with i don't think there's any plan with emma to tell you the truth i think they're like i i don't know like i think 19 weeks ago 17 weeks ago whatever at the beginning of the draft there was this idea for Emelina, and I think it was a legit idea. And I think somehow, within the last five months or so, that idea has been cooled upon. And whoever was excited about Emelina five months ago is not excited about Emelina anymore. And so they can't really get behind it. So they're like, uh, just have her come out and say she Emma's coming back. Because we know what Emma is. Look, I hope Emma comes back and is awkward and is trying to bust bubbles. You know, I like female version of Santino, Emma. I thought she was fun, but we, who knows when and if Emma is actually going to come back, but to, it's like, it's almost, and it sucks because Emma is actually good at wrestling, you know, she can actually have really good matches, but it's not that dissimilar from what was going on with Eva Marie for a while, except way longer, when Eva Marie would come out constantly and not wrestle matches. I don't mind that. Fandango did it when he wouldn't wrestle matches if you didn't say his name right. Brodus Clay was teased as a monster for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and then it was bait and switch. Like, you know, this idea of bait and switch for characters that are, let's be honest, minor characters, it's not like they're presenting this person who's going to be in the hunt for the WWE Universal Championship, and then it's a bait and switch. Like, it's harmless. They're not getting you to buy a pay-per-view. It, like, that's what the problem with the gobbledygooker was. The gobbledygooker was like, if you buy Survivor Series, you're going to get to see what's in this egg that's been here, and it's going to hatch, and it's going to be amazing. So, of course, you think it's something big. If, like, they just tease Emelina for six weeks, six months, whatever it is, and then one week they're like, okay, she's going to be here after the commercial break. It's like, come on. How much thought do you really think is being put into it? Let's really not take it that seriously. Um... What I did take seriously, and what we should all take seriously, is damn it how great and how perfect the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho split was on Raw. There were a couple of naysayers on my Twitter account. I almost don't even want to give them the time of day.
because that segment was as close to perfect in 2017 as you're going to get. The placement of the commercial break I didn't have a problem with. I didn't have a problem with one minute of it. You know, some people were like, well, why didn't you do this? Like, they want, and they were asking the same thing about the Bailey and Charlotte thing, which we'll get to in a second. Like, they had this, like, well, if you, why don't you do it at the pay-per-view and then have a moment at WrestleMania and, like, have this thing that is, like, the most predictable thing you could ever possibly have. Some people were like, well, why would he turn on Chris Jericho? It doesn't make any sense. He's going to need Chris Jericho's help. And it makes perfect sense. Because Chris Jericho is the one that made him, gave him this Goldberg match. And Chris Jericho has done things in the past that has not been favorable to Kevin Owens because he wasn't thinking or because whatever, you know. There's been underlying tension for since the beginning of the relationship. But it was done in such a way, like just the, the range of emotions was so good. The performances were so good. This segment should be put up there with a Mega Powers exploding segment with This Is Your Life Rock with like these, this is just a, a great moment of storytelling and it could, this segment is right up there with Chris Jericho's segment where he punched Shawn Michaels' wife. I mean, and that was a pay-per-view segment, but that, you talk about drama, and some of it was unintentional, but that was drama, and that's what made that story so special, and that's what's going to make this Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho story so special, that it started, it didn't even start typical Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens segment, like it started with the comedy, and Chris Jericho was awesome and perfect, as far as comedy goes. But Kevin Owens was kind of not having it, where usually he's right in there with the comedy. So you're like, huh, that's weird. He brings out the Gilbert thing. It works. Everybody's laughing. Kevin Owens kicks the crap out of him. That's fine. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's laughing. Then Chris Jericho got real. And to me, that's one of the things that really made the segment. The fact that Chris Jericho got real and said, dude, you're my best friend. I've got your back. And it was almost like... He was talking to Kevin Owens. He's a, it was almost like he was talking to Kevin Steen, the man, saying that, that this storyline, this thing that we've been doing together has rejuvenated me as a sports entertainer, as a wrestler, and I couldn't be happier. You know, I mean, this same Chris Jericho, as a human being, you know, anybody that follows wrestling with any kind of depth knows that for a while... Jericho was only wrestling house shows because he just wanted to have fun. He didn't want to wrestle on TV. He was only doing house shows, and I don't think anybody's done that before him. So the fact that, and, and that all kind of came together, I think, that it was real life. It was his real life moment of being like, dude, thank you. And you're almost like, okay, cool. He's adding credibility to this friendship. Like, oh, wow, okay, maybe they're going to be serious partners. And then... That moment where Kevin Owens, it was so old school. It was like that you just don't feel, and I know I talked about the tension between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, but that thing, that like moment of like he hands Chris Jericho the gift and you're like, what's in there? What's in the box? What's in the box? And when Chris Jericho, that reveal, when he goes, why is only my name on the list? And just perfect timing, he flips up the list and it says the list of KO and it's like there it is you're like is this really happening and then you talk about a shift of motion and that's that like oh 
And you could hear that reaction from the live audience because of the way it was done. You could hear it from the people at home. Like it was just this collective like, oh my God, this is it. And it was it. And you could see Kevin Owens all of a sudden reminded us that that's the Kevin Owens that was brought into WWE. You remember the Kevin Owens that stood on John Cena's United States Championship as he held his NXT title in the air? You remember the Kevin Owens that tried to injure Sami Zayn, his best friend, because he wanted the opportunity in NXT to feed his family? That's the Kevin Owens that we've been lacking in WWE. Kevin Owens is so good at being funny that we forgot who the prize fighter was. And Kevin Owens reminded all of us on Monday night that that's the Kevin Owens that nobody's been focusing on. And, you know, you just regain all this faith in WWE when you realize how well this was done. They could have done it a million ways. But the fact that Chris Jericho is the good guy and Kevin Owens is the bad guy and Chris Jericho was being funny Chris and then being genuine Chris. Sorry for the... uh, Sirens. Kevin Owens just beat somebody up. And now Kevin Owens is being badass, evil Kevin Owens. Not funny. Like, there's nothing funny about what he did. Like, that's... That's magic. That's storytelling. And it's gonna make it... I believe Goldberg will win against Kevin Owens at Fastlane. And it's gonna make it hurt a lot less. Because you're gonna know that we now, because of the way this story is being unfolded, Mark my words right now. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho have the potential to steal the show at WrestleMania. It doesn't matter if you don't want Goldberg to be the champion or you want this or you want... Like, if Goldberg is the champion... Like, in order to... I feel like in order to steal the show at a WrestleMania, expectations have to be put at a certain place. And if Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho is the main event for the Universal Championship, well then, they better deliver. But, if Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho is the United States title match, and you're saving the Universal title for Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg, well, now you've got an uphill battle where these two guys that have been the most entertaining thing on television for months are saying, you didn't want to put us in the main event? Well, we'll give you a main event. That's when you appreciate a match. And that, I think, is going to add to the fact that they're going to be able, potentially, to pull off match of the night. And I'm so excited to see it. Before we move on from Raw altogether, I thought the way it ended was brilliant, too. I thought the Sasha Banks, I'm sorry, the Bailey Charlotte match, and the way it ended with the interference and the moment with Bailey was just done to a T. The fact that Dana Brooke interfered and you thought it was going to go one way and then Sasha Banks comes out with the crutch and Bailey gets her championship win and a lot of people are saying that that is a moment that should have happened at WrestleMania and I tend to disagree and I'll tell you why. Number one, I have faith in WWE's storytelling at the moment in the sense that there's other moments that can happen at WrestleMania and number two, Bailey winning the title finally at WrestleMania is like this carbon copy, cookie cutter, predictable story that almost makes it so 
Well, yeah, of course that's what's going to happen. And it that is what will take out some specialness from it. Picture, if you will, follow me on this, because i got to be honest. I'm speaking with, a, with a, a few days removed from Raw. When I first saw it happen, I was like, okay, execution-wise, it was fantastic. I loved the match. I loved the drama, the storytelling, the, the people involved. Everything was cool. thought it was really good. But on paper, I said, are they really redoing the Sasha Banks-Charlotte story? Like, is this just another instance of Bailey wins on Raw, Charlotte wins back on pay-per-view, Bailey wins back on Raw, Charlotte wins back again on pay-per-view? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that we've seen. And that I don't want to see again. I was like, eh, I don't want to see that. But then I realized we have the potential to do something entirely different, okay? What if? Because there's no doubt in my mind that Sasha Banks, who is still my favorite wrestler, everybody knows this, Sasha Banks needs to be a bad guy. When I first formally announced Sasha Banks as my favorite wrestler, she was a bad guy in NXT. She's the boss. How many of you have a boss who's a good guy? And if your boss is a good guy, would he refer to himself as the boss? The boss is a person that reminds you that they are in charge of everybody. Anybody that walks around reminding you that they are in charge of everybody is not a likable human being. It's annoying, and it's egotistical, and it is the traits of a bad person. A heel, if you will. And that's where Sasha Banks needs to be. Sasha Banks needs to go back to being ratchet, quite frankly. That story hasn't been told on WWE TV, and people have forgotten that era of NXT. People have forgotten that the reason she came out in an escalated takeover was because she was full of herself and flamboyant. Okay? Charlotte was the underdog. And Sasha was the one rubbing it in her face because Sasha was the one who was full of herself. That Sasha needs to come back. And here's what I would propose. I don't think Charlotte's pay-per-view win streak should die before WrestleMania. So what about this? What if I told you that the rematch between Charlotte and Bailey was going to happen at Fastlane? Not before then, at Fastlane. And at Fastlane, we kind of assume, right, because Charlotte doesn't lose on pay-per-views, and we've seen this cycle play out, that Charlotte's going to win the title. Well, what happens if Bailey's got the match in hand and and Sasha Banks interferes on Bailey's behalf and hits Charlotte? trips Charlotte when she's going against the ropes, hits her with a crutch, does something to her. This lets Charlotte win the match. She's upset because she doesn't win the title, but she wins the match. Her streak of wins on pay-per-views is intact. But Bailey's kind of like, Sasha, why did you do that? And that is when Sasha attacks Bailey. That is when jealous Sasha comes out and sees Bailey, who does not deserve to hold the championship. That's when that Sasha comes out. So now you've got a scenario where leaving Fastlane, Bailey is still the champion and as much of a beloved underdog as ever. 
Charlotte has a pay-per-view win streak intact, and Sasha Banks is a bad guy. Now you're going into WrestleMania with a lot on the line. Bailey's got to retain the title, which seems unrealistic. In order for Charlotte to lose that match, she's got to lose her pay-per-view win streak, which seems unrealistic. And Sasha Banks is the bad guy that everybody loves. So for her to lose seems unrealistic. If Bailey can retain this is if Bailey can retain the Raw Women's Championship in a triple threat match at WrestleMania. Because let's be honest, Sasha is now allowed to say, Bailey, the only reason that you're the women's champion here on Raw is because I hit Sasha I hit Charlotte with a crutch. That's the only reason you won. That's the only reason you have the championship. Yeah, that's a pretty solid argument. Well the rematch is gonna happen at Fastlane, well Sasha interfered in that match too. So Bailey hasn't gotten the opportunity to truly be crowned the Raw Women's Champion. If she can go out there and she can beat a bad guy, Sasha Banks, who is a best friend that betrayed her, and she can beat Charlotte's pay-per-view win streak, well now, my friends, you have cemented Bailey as the Women's Champion, and that is is your WrestleMania moment. For her to walk out champion and win the WrestleMania match that people didn't think she would win. That's the moment. Because her walking in with people assuming that she's going to win the title and walking out with the championship is like, that's this moment where we all pretend to be surprised and we all pretend it's special, but it's not. You know it was a special WrestleMania moment when Zack Ryder won the Intercontinental Championship? Because we didn't think he would be able to do it and he actually did it. You're now presenting Bailey with an uphill battle, okay? And it's hers to lose. Bailey is not walking into WrestleMania in this scenario with nothing to lose and everything to gain. She's walking in with everything to lose and the weight of the world on her shoulders. Everything to lose and a purely uphill battle. If she wins that match and holds the title up high, well now... We have cemented her as the women's champion. It's not about winning the title. It's about cementing her as a real champion, okay? You're talking about a women's championship title that has been changed hands over and over and over again throughout the year, which means it's lacking in some credibility. I mean, what is Charlotte? Three, four-time women's champion? Sasha Banks is two or three-time women's champion? Like, as much as that title has been passed around, it loses credibility, if Bailey can win it now, hold it to WrestleMania, and walk out of Orlando with the title, she is cemented as a real women's champion. Charlotte has lost her win streak, and Sasha Banks is a bad guy. A lot gets accomplished in this scenario that doesn't if you just stretch out Charlotte versus Bailey as long as you possibly can. So that's why I'm not mad at it, because I just the more I thought about it, the more I saw all this potential for good in this scenario. And that's that's what I'm excited about, you know, and, and, and I'd love to hear what you think of it. Tweet me if you want, at not Sam. Um, and while you're tweeting, I don't know if anybody's seen Josh Matthews' breakdown on Twitter. Uh, everybody knows, or I don't know if you know this or not, but you can go back and listen to the Josh Matthews episode of Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast. Uh, he's a buddy of mine. He lives in Nashville now, so I don't see him as much as I used to. Um, look, 
Is he an asshole? Yeah, he's yeah. He's a great friend of mine. I mean, I, I will be loyal to him forever. But he's a bit of an asshole. But he's been losing his mind on Twitter because, you know, he keeps calling himself the greatest person to ever do wrestling commentary, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, I would recommend giving him shit on Twitter because it's funny watching him lose his mind. I don't know what what's going on with him right now, but it's a blast to just follow his Twitter account. Um, all right, guys. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. I saw one of you got a, a, a Sam Roberts 8-bit t-shirt from your girlfriend for Valentine's Day. I saw somebody at a, a, a Elimination Chamber with a Not Sam shirt on. You guys, uh, you're all the loves of my life. So if you want to be a love of my life, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Buy the shirt. Buy the shirt. See you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.